We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and as always I'm joined by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners of Rotoviz, co-host of Stealing Bananas. Sean, I did do a double check today, I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago we are putting these podcasts in thick and fast, and this is officially episode 395 of the Rotoviz Overtime podcast, that means episode 400 will be coming up in two weeks time, so we're going to do a little bit of thinking behind the scenes, see what we do, but we may do a, a bonus episode of some listener questions. I know we had a lot of good feedback on the, the Q&A style shows. Who knows, we might even do a live stream for a, a Q&A. We'll see what we do, but in the next two weeks, it'll be 400 episodes, which I think is a incredible achievement when we think about it. So um, looking forward to the next couple of shows as we approach that landmark. We will also have Michael Leone of uh, Establish the Run joining us this week for the thursday podcast so that is there to look forward to next week and uh, it's going to be an exciting one sean we're joined by peter Overset. so we have some great guests coming up over the next couple of weeks looking forward to having them on but the uh, two things i have to mention this is the the first podcast i'll be doing after finishing up with my nine to five day job to go full-time here in the the podcast and fantasy football game so very much excited for that and thanks to all the people who have sent some emails or messages on Twitter of well wishes. Thanks for that. The other big important thing, Sean, is that our intro music for the listeners who have just heard it has Aaron Rodgers passing to Devontae Adams. We are going to have to upgrade that. We're going to have to check that out and uh, get somebody else added in. So we do have Jonathan Taylor in there. We have DJ Moore. We have Stefan Diggs. Who should we add? Maybe Joe Burrow or one of the Bengals wide receivers feels like they could slot in there nicely. But uh, have you any other nominations that I should be adding into the intro theme here, Sean? Well, I know Connor wants us to do Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase there. I was thinking that you were going to recommend maybe Baker Mayfield to Jarvis Landry. Yeah, I was actually doing that. We did a live stream with the FFPC on Sunday night and uh, it was with Zachary Kruger and Zach made the pitch for Jarvis Landry, but I had to shut that down in honor of our our team last year. Yeah, so we'll see. The Joe Burrow, obviously, fantastic there. So that is an exciting one. You mentioned Michael Leone. Excited to have him 
on the show. He obviously was in that 12-team final with us. He and I also did a massive blockbuster trade in a dynasty league that we're in together that Mike runs. So excited to hear his takeaways on that. A few of the players involved have either changed teams or have had a key person uh, related to them in terms of quarterbacks or wide receivers or what have you change teams. So we'll get his feedback on where he thinks that trade is now, plus obviously his takeaways for this early part of the best ball dynasty season. So we're looking forward to that. Colin, I have to say that beyond sort of anything else happening right now, I mean, this just feels like a free day, a free week. I, it's probably not nearly as big as the NFL over there in Ireland, but the college basketball season just concluded last night. And the Kansas Jayhawks have the biggest comeback from halftime deficit in NCAA title game history. And um, this is, um, in a lot of ways, this is bigger than the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl for, you know, those of us who grew up just down the road from Lawrence and as Kansas fans immersed in college basketball. So I just, again, grateful for so many of the things that have happened in fantasy over the last decade. And as someone who grew up in Kansas City, to have the Royals win a World Series, that one seems like the most impossible because the Royals, in fact, have just been awful forever, right? But the Chiefs, one of the best franchises in the NFL, the Jayhawks, probably the premier program in college basketball. To get a Super Bowl, to get an NCAA championship in the same general time frame here, just very blessed to be a fan and sports are great. It's so much fun to be able to do this so much of the time. And that kind of brings us full circle because you now are full-time, as you mentioned, in the podcasting game. And congratulations because you've done so much for Rotoviz Radio. I love listening to you. Obviously, the feedback and the reviews that we get from the listeners are that you have the best voice in fantasy football podcasting I would agree with that. So fun to do the show with you. So congratulations and can't wait for, you know, what the next 400 episodes of Rotoviz OT have in store. Yeah, thanks very much. And it does feel like we're going to probably hit that landmark in the next 12 months at the uh, the rate that we are going. But uh, I was not aware of, I, I had seen the college championships had been on. I was not aware of that, Sean. So massive congratulations. We for any of the listeners listening, and we had some fun getting the show set up with uh, some tech issues, so uh, we, we we skipped by the, the pre-show conversation that we would normally have. So massive uh, congratulations to you there, Sean. Also, we are going to talk underdog ADP now. We're going to look through a little bit of a draft that you have ongoing in progress, and you're drafting out of the second slot against some of the road of his writing team and a, a number of other people then from outside of that in there, but Peter Overzet. Uh, and there is one of the heavy hitters. You have Curtis Patrick, uh, Travis May, Blair Andrews, Dave Cabin, uh, lots of people in there. Connor O'Driscoll, who obviously pipped us to the post in the FFPC tournament. You are in the draft as it's in progress. There's about eight rounds through. What are you seeing from some of the early round ADP? And obviously, this is a 0.5 PPR scoring setting. Yeah, and, and Michael Dunner set this up. He recently published a couple of fantastic articles on how to attack best ball leagues the most recent one was sort of debunking some myths about best ball drafts prior to the nfl draft so if you haven't gotten in there and check that out you'll want to do it it'll really help you in terms of how you approach these drafts through the next month or so 
the underdog here is really interesting, as you mentioned, because it's half PPR, but you do have to start three wide receivers. So if you get into kind of a weird situation like we got in last year with the FFPC, where our running backs were actually stronger, you know, you, you can't play four of them here. And so that's going to influence how you attack this. So you have the half PPR, but you also have the start three wide receivers. And that makes it interesting because one of the things that we have talked about a lot for the early portion of 2022, and we'll see how this develops, right? It's a possibility that we'll have more QB trades. It's a possibility that after the NFL draft, a few of these teams that look really weak at QB will at least look more dynamic from the perspective of a rookie QB maybe gives them a little more upside, even if it gives the <laughs> incredible downside like we saw last year from Zach Wilson. But right now there are a lot of wide receivers who, because of the quarterback play, feel like difficult choices, right? Especially in those first four or five rounds. And so this area that drafters have discussed for the last three, four, five years, however you want to look at and said, okay, well, wide receiver is deep here. You can start at running back and then you can pivot to wide receiver. We've talked about the reasons that doesn't necessarily work. And we've talked about the reasons why that actually flows very well into either a zero RB or a modified zero RB approach. The flip side of that is that this year where I think that not only is wide receiver not deep, but it's more or less non-existent, right? that creates some real difficulties because now you have this push to start with the couple wide receivers in the first two rounds and then maybe pivot off of that. And one of the things that's a challenge there is that if you look at the roster construction explorers, that hasn't necessarily worked, right? This idea of what we might call an upside down draft or what we might call wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, running back, or wide receiver and then a running back and then maybe you pivot to the onesie positions that type of thing has been weaker than trying to do sort of your attempt to grab a legendary running back and then a lot of wide receivers with an elite tight end in there so 2022 is going to be a lot of fun because most of the things that we know have worked we can see number one why they might work again because that particular structure is so dominant. But the flip side is that there are reasons why it could be very tricky. And then if you try and pivot, you're putting yourself into this position where you're pivoting into an approach that it's been very unsuccessful. And so are you willing to take that risk to kind of jump out into the unknown there? And so that kind of brings me back to my draft where I have the second pick. Christian McCaffrey goes off the board at the 101. That's not necessarily a surprise. Although Jonathan Taylor, and I'm gonna have a, article on this soon i think is kind of rising again now for me so you and i did a draft recently where we had the 102 and mccaffrey did go one we had the option to take taylor and we passed and we took cooper cup cooper cup interesting he actually goes as the sixth pick in this draft which i i don't see how he gets below number five in a draft and i really think that probably two or three is where he should be but I went ahead in this draft and I took Taylor and then obviously column that creates a challenge because you know when you take Taylor that probably you're not going to be happy with the receivers who come back to you. And in this draft, we have Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams all going in the first round. You come back through guys like 
Tyreek Hill, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins gone by the middle of the second round. A couple picks ahead of mine, Hassan takes Jalen Waddell. He and I chatted a little bit. He was looking at Waddle or Swift there. And then when it gets to me, my choices are basically Swift, DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, or perhaps Kyle Pitts. And obviously, and this is something that came up in our draft as well, I do have a tight end that I like a little bit later, so I'm willing to pass on Pitts there. Not knowing what I did or not having kind of spoiled that yet for the listeners, what are your thoughts here? How would you have attacked this pick? Yeah, what I was going to, I'm not going to spoil it, but I was going to ask you about your start to the draft because obviously no one for zero RB drafting um, this draft for when we start to talk to it a little bit more is is very much not zero RB. We'll let the listeners in on, on that part so far. I do think that round one went in terms of ADP, not as expected, but the players in those first 12 picks are the players we would expect to be in those first 12 picks, but maybe in different orders. I, I keep coming back to this thought in my head, and I've mentioned it a few times, that with all the change this offseason, with how some players last year performed so well and some players then that maybe were expected to perform well didn't perform well, I think there's going to be more, I think I'm going to use the word chaos and ADP this year based on all those changes. And it, it might be a case where ADP never truly settles to a consensus i think we'll see there be consensus adp but what we'll also see is these drafts where like you said cooper cup goes sixth then cooper cup goes second cooper like i think we're going to see things like that i've seen in a few drafts so far players going in the second third round who in terms of adp are going in the fifth and we're starting to see things and maybe that's because it's so early but it feels like that may continue throughout the offseason i think in terms of the players that you mentioned there i feel that that is players that's and they're now this being non-tight end premium but obviously tight end still been uh, a huge resource to have at the onesie positions um deandre swift kyle pitts deandre, uh, deandre hopkins saquon barkley are probably the players that are in the mix there you mentioned keenan allen as well i do feel like the t higgins is the end of that next tier of wide receivers for me and waddle would have been in that but now has been bumped out after the tyreek hill trade so to let the listeners in on it, you did go with DeAndre Swift. Anyone listening to our shows last year will know how much we were all in on DeAndre Swift um, last year, even with the injury news and the concerns around that heading into the season. So I think you made the right call based on the players available, but you did touch on it, and this is something that we do talk about a lot. When you take Taylor with that pick at the 102, you're looking at the options that may come to you then at the 211, but you're also looking at the options then at the, the 302 again. And in this situation, what we're seeing in a lot of drafts is if you are picking between pick one and three, maybe pick one and four, it's a lot of running backs that are going then in that second and third turn. So I would imagine that was a concern for you. But when you selected Swift, then what is your thoughts of where are these wide receivers going to come from? Because you're after mentioning a moment ago that the depth is pretty much non-existent. So we've gone two rounds with no wide receivers. And you can let the listeners know there's going to be a third round here with no wide receivers for Sean Siegel. There was. And DeAndre Hopkins went at the turn there, and he was the other player I was seriously considering. I had mentioned on the draft show that Ben and I did. We did an FFPC sit-and-go, and those episodes are in the progress of coming out over the next week. The first one was out. The other two will be out this week while Ben is on vacation. That I do think that the Cardinals players are mildly discounted. I think that once the hubbub over Kyle Murray, Kyler Murray and his 
you know, sort of his maturity, his injuries, how he's developing as a passer. Once that calms down, these guys are going to get a little bit more expensive again. DeAndre Hopkins actually very good last season before he got hurt. And when we're looking at whether or not players are going to bounce back, how they performed in that season before whatever it was that derailed them is pretty important. So a big difference there between Hopkins and, say, Allen Robinson, who was available and just played very, very poorly. Now, the other receiver that I should mention, I probably should have considered more strongly, would have been Mike Evans. We have a reason to believe that the Buccaneers passing offense will be explosive again. Chris Godwin probably not going to be 100% and a big contributor until fairly late in the season. And then Russell Gage, we know, is a little bit more of a possession threat, just a guy to kind of bridge them to the point where they can be more explosive again. And so Evans now sets up as a potential. I mean, he could be the overall wide receiver one. So probably someone I should have paid more attention to here. He's not someone I've drafted a lot over the last several years. I'm not huge on the other Buccaneers. Chris Godwin is really the player I like there, but he obviously is a difficult draft in 2022. So we kind of move into this and, and Saquon Barkley is still there, right? And Barkley, we know a lot of his value, if they use him correctly, is going to come in the receiving game. Those running backs are not quite as popular in a half PPR format, there are some situations in which they might not score as many points. But you look at Swift, you look at Barkley, if those offenses get better. I think the touchdown upside, which we're really focused on here, improves. And so there are scenarios in which Taylor Swift and Barkley for next season would all be top five picks. And we're trying to figure out how we want to put these teams together. We're looking at guys who have the chance to vastly outperform. There are some other good players kind of in this range. Joe Mixon goes one spot before Swift. Antonio Gibson goes one spot after. I think those guys are good players and potentially even better players for 2022 when you look at their floor, maybe even their median outcome. But I don't think that you're going to look at those guys and think, okay, well, in 2023, if things go right, they're going to elevate into the top half of the first round. They're just not quite that guy. Now, other players who maybe have a little bit more of that, Dalvin Cook goes in the middle of the second round. Alvin Kamara goes kind of mid to late second. Both of those players have a little bit of this off-field element hanging over them, similarly to the situation we kind of saw last year with Deshaun Watson. I think Cook, if those questions go away, explodes back up into the middle of the first round because we have reason to believe this Vikings offense will actually be much more explosive in 2023. Kamara is kind of hamstrung with this new situation with the Saints where he's much more of a run-heavy back. That doesn't play to his skill set. It increases the chance that he gets injured. But we do have some big talents in the middle of the second round. But the reason that they're there is because the desperation for receivers, even in this particular format, pushes them down, right? So... Peter, for example, starts his draft with Devontae Adams and A.J. Brown. We know that he used a wide receiver-heavy approach to finish in the top 10 overall of the underdog tournament last year. It's a viable way to go about this, even in the half PPR. And so that's the start that I made. The receivers obviously dry up again before we get to round four. The question is, does my big tight end star fall to me in round four like he didn't quite in the never too early draft that you and I did, where do I go back in round five, make a little bit of an upset pick there as well. I actually went a little bit off my board to get a different passer than the one I have rated as the best value in that situation. But Colin, this was a lot of fun. 
Michael's going to have content up on the site about this, reactions from the different participants, his own analysis. He's one of the best best ball analysts in the business. So if you haven't checked out his work on Rotoviz, make sure you go and do that. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. And Sean, we I mentioned this last year, and I'm going to mention it again. And it's just a coincidence. We we like Jonathan Taylor. We like DeAndre Swift. You mentioned again Taylor Swift. I think that there has to be a Rotoviz overtime team this year that is named Taylor Swift in one of these drafts. So we will make it happen at some point. But you're just wanting to get permission to use that music in the intro. You're like, I don't, I don't care what NFL players, but if we can, uh... that's what I could even do. I could get jonathan taylor followed by deandre swift and it would say taylor swift in the intro to the show and then i would really be really be delighted but we will let the listeners in you teased it earlier i can't let it go we're not going to go through the rest of the draft but um through these opening four rounds you have jonathan taylor you have deandre swift you have saquon barkley the player you were targeting in the fourth round did come to you and he is for long-time listeners of the show for recent listeners of the show they will know exactly probably who we're talking about but it is tj hawkinson going off the board at the the um, 4-11 in this particular draft. But you have made the case before. I don't know if you want to make the case again, but I'm sure you are counting down those picks, hoping that uh, he would last to you there. I was. And one of the things that we see with some of the other RCEs, that even when you don't have the tight end premium element, that elite tight ends are key to winning. Right. And so they're a little bit cheaper when you don't have the tight end premium, but that doesn't mean that you want to avoid them or not have them as part of that construction. You can get them without having to pay quite the same price that you might. I mean, I think Hawkinson is very clearly a third round value in the tight end premium, but if you can get him at the back end of the fourth or sometime in the fourth, even early in the fifth, which you do see him go to in some underdog drafts, then I mean, you want him there. Right. You look at his advanced stats and we get those in the stealing signals tool on the site in my never too early best ball tiers. I talk about why Hawkinson is the guy who's going to move into that range and be a star this next season. You should have him in dynasty. Obviously you still have some concerns with the QB there. Maybe those concerns actually get a little bit worse. If they do go with one of the rookies, I think they'll add a rookie at some point in the draft and then we'll see when that transition happens. If it happens kind of as you're moving from the regular season to the fantasy playoffs, then that wouldn't necessarily be ideal because that rookie QB, even if he's a long-term upgrade playing in his first NFL games, that could be a little bit of an issue for you. But Hawkinson, I don't think there's any question at this point about his talent. He was drafted very early in the reality draft. He has been good for the Lions. If he can stay healthy, He's going to join that group of stars. And I think for a long time, then you're going to see him as someone who really could be the heir to, to Travis Kelsey, right? So in all formats, make sure you're getting some exposure. You don't want to get to the point where if he gets hurt, then your entire 2020 season, 2022 season is ruined, but he's someone who could have a big impact on what you do this next year. So Colin, it's been a lot of fun to do this underdog draft. We're going to have a lot of underdog content over the next couple of months for listeners who are excited to get involved and play some underdog themselves. We have a coupon code. It is straightforward. It'll be easier to remember. It's Rotoviz, and that will give you a up to $100 match on your initial deposit. So make sure you get over there, play a little bit of underdog, get yourself uh, some experience so that you can then get in and dominate some of these big tournaments. We mentioned Peter Curtis Patrick is going to be doing the newsletter, and he absolutely dominated underdog last year. I don't know 
if uh, he wants me giving away just how much money he made, but it was a lot. And if you were a newsletter subscriber, then you found out kind of as the season and off, as the off season progressed that he had a lot of Cooper Cup. And yeah. I think anybody who uh, knows how last season panned out, that was a very good pick. You'll get Curtis's top guys for 2022 when you subscribe to the newsletter. There also will be lots of different opportunities to get uh, some little bonuses and discounts to these various games. So if you want to play underdog, you want to play with some of our other partners, you'll have some opportunities there. The newsletter is your place to be. You'll get free road of his content. Uh, make sure you're signed up for that. If you are a listener to the podcasts, you won't regret it. It'll be something that really helps out. It's fun to read during the week and then gives you these little nuggets that will allow you to make money. Maybe not quite as much as Curtis made last year in Underdog, but the opportunity is there if you combine our player selections with the structural drafting that we emphasize. Uh, so use the coupon code, subscribe to the newsletter. We've got you for 2022. It, it's going to be a fun ride. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moving into a listener question time now, a question coming in from Mark. He is looking at some tight end premium advice. So we're looking at 1.5 PPR and also 0.5 points for every first down the tight end gets as well. He said he was going to hold off and try and wait and grab a, a tight end in the later rounds, but you know, he's hoping maybe then to go for somebody like Pat Fairmuth or, or Dalton Schultz. But he said that he realizes or he's seen that you have Albert Kuabunum rated very highly in your current rank. So he needs to to compare that with some of the startup adp and see what he's going to try and do to get albert o on his roster i know we've been talking about okua Bunim for quite some time over the last probably 12 to 18 months and we've talked about you know being no offense drafters and the excitement when you see what albert o can do and how athletic he looks you have mentioned that he's potentially you know a top 10 tight end in the league and now we have no Fant moved on to Seattle. We have him having pretty much the tight end share there with Russell Wilson himself. So very, very exciting from point of view. Uh, he just said he hasn't heard enough about him to know why he's so high. So I kind of probably touched on that 
so far. But looking at the wide receivers he might get in the mid rounds, and you know, it's a little bit expensive he's talking about like hall and, and kenneth walker as well at the running back in the dead zone and looking through some of the other options he could have there he was wondering if there should be a different strategy this year for drafts when we're moving forward in tight end premium he says that we've mentioned in past podcasts that we like to trade out of the earlier rounds and get as many mid-round picks as possible but even with next year's firsts you know he doesn't know if that's the right way to go so looking through the options he's wondering with the lack of wide receiver depth in the rounds four through seven if you had any trade advice for this year or if we can you know mention on an upcoming podcast which we're obviously doing right now at this point in time uh what advice that we would be giving anyone drafting at this point of the year so a couple of questions in there sean but albert o is about to go into the stratosphere at the tight end position but what are some of your thoughts to, to give mark some feedback there yeah, so this is a fun one, and listeners of Ceiling Bananas as well will know that I like to throw in at the end of some of the pods, so it's really just there for the listeners who stick out the full you know, 45 minutes, the full hour, hour 10 as we sometimes go, that Albert O is going to be the tight end one in 2022. Now, that's probably a little bit optimistic, right? But there are a lot of positives here for him. Obviously, his ADP really jumped after the Noah Fant trade as part of that Russell Wilson package. But Colin, thankfully, that's one of the things that you and I were gambling on in, a, in an early draft that we did with Zach. Alberto, one of the most athletic tight ends in the NFL. And so when you're looking at these guys who as physical specimens are, are almost impossible to deal with because of their elite athleticism, you're looking at both of the guys who were with Denver originally, now Noah Fant obviously with Seattle, you're looking at Kyle Pitts, who blew up as a rookie, and especially at least from a yardage perspective, could have huge numbers in 2022. And then you're looking at Mike Gesicki, who is more of a, a big wide receiver, but obviously has been brought back there with the Dolphins, where they're going to have this attack that now features Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Gesicki. It's going to be very difficult to contend with all of those weapons. The interesting thing, obviously, will be who benefits the most and who maybe is a little bit more of a decoy but the inability of defenses to take all of those guys away should boost the efficiency numbers for some of these players open somebody up there's the potential that Tyreek Hill doesn't drop as far as people think but there's also that potential that it really unlocks Waddle and allows him to get some massively explosive plays with a little bit more well-rounded route tree and then again that possibility for Gasicki where as the third option and with defenses having to contend with all that speed that this could be the year where he takes the next step so we're looking at these extremely athletic tight ends but Albert O fits in there in that early tight end tier article that I mentioned earlier in the show I talk about him why would we be looking at him and Again, some great stuff here from the Stealing Signals tool. He ran almost 260 fewer routes than Fant, but he bested him in terms of yards per route, uh, 1.99 in targets per route, 0.24. Again, those numbers come from the great Sports Info Solutions package. Both of those numbers would have put him in the low end tight end one range on a full workload, right? And so you're looking now he's going to be the guy there. They're going to have... Uh, <laughs> extremely upgraded QB situation in Russell Wilson. Even if you're a little bit down on Wilson and think that the next five or six years for him will be not quite what we saw in Seattle, it's also going to be a huge difference from Teddy Bridgewater and Locke there. So that part of it, 
I think really exciting. We talk about how just from a viewer's perspective, I mean, you see fan, and one of the things that he mentioned recently was interesting that he sees himself as sort of a vertical tight end, which there, there aren't a lot of tight ends who are kind of branding themselves in that way, right? Where he's saying, you know, I got, I got to get deep. I've got the speed to get deep. He does. You look at Albert O and he has all of that speed and yet the hip flexibility there. And again, we don't do a lot of sort of scouting based uh, analysis here on overtime, but there are some things that jump out just so clearly and you can see how it manifests as the plays are going on that, you know, it's just striking the, the guys who are that big, it's, it's just going to be a little bit different than your 190 pound wide receiver who can flip the hips and, you know, make those plays get back up field like it's nothing. But you have Albert O here doing the same thing at the tight end position, the sniff stiffness of Fant, who again is somebody we like <laughs> and we're drafting a lot versus the fluidity of Albert. Oh, one of the reasons I think that he was the guy who stayed and Fant was the person who moved on in this trade. I wouldn't be surprised if Denver is just like, I mean, straight up, we think that he's better. He's obviously now in a better situation since he's going to have the vastly improved quarterback of the two. And so the possibility that he would be there and take this big leap. Now, there's still going to be some target competition there. They have Cortland Sutton. They have Jerry Judy. They signed Tim Patrick to the contract. We love KJ Hamler. We'll see if he comes back and if his apparent vertical ability is as good a fit with Russell Wilson as it seems like it might be. But those guys, I think, have the potential to cannibalize each other a little bit more than they do Okwegbunam, as you mentioned. And from that perspective, I think that those guys have a little bit of risk where Albert O maybe has the upside. Again, you don't want to get to the point where you have such high exposure that if he gets hurt, you know, all of your teams are sabotaged. But he is someone that we're looking at there. And then, Colin, just to kind of transition here for a moment, in chatting with Mark, the other part of his question really was about dynasty he's in a format similar to the rotoviz triflex format you know we, we continue to have people signing up for this rv format they love it new dynasty startups are now available there at the ffpc uh, we've kind of gone over on some recent shows some of the cut down moves monty font had a great article on the site about how the cut down works and how it makes the ffpc format really fun I'm going to have a big dynasty series coming up over the next month. So anybody who's looking for both mildly beginning types of things, but also just everything about how you want to construct dynasty, including I think some things that experienced players do incorrectly, not, not incorrectly in that they have it totally wrong, but there are some tweaks that you can make that actually have a huge impact. And so that'll be fun to write. We'll see if, if readers, like it and agree that some of those things can be helpful but the question here is in terms of how do we want to approach these startups and do the startups have the same issues that we just mentioned in the first half when we're talking about redraft where this area of drafts that in the last five or six years wide receiver has been so theoretically deep and explosive you know if that's not the case in redraft, and again, that's an open question. I mean, there are going to be some drafters who like those guys a little bit more and load up there. And if you hit on the right people, it's definitely not the case that that will be completely unsuccessful. But if you think that's weaker in redraft, how does that go for dynasty? Well, dynasty is going to be a different question, right? Because some of these specific issues, I think, are less of an issue if you're looking over a two or three year window. Now, I think sometimes in Dynasty, people tend to look, you know, five year, seven year, 
there's so much uncertainty. There are so many injuries. I don't think you necessarily want to be looking at that type of window. But if you can look beyond 2022, then some of these guys get a little bit more interesting, right? You have young players like Amon Ra, like Kadarius Tony. Those QB situations, very unsettled and weak at the moment. Those could get better. You have someone like Chase Claypool, who's a bounce back type of prospect. If we get to the point where the Steelers have addressed their QB position to an extent and the rookie gets a little bit of experience you know 2023 might be better for him you have a situation with the jets and elijah moore where they may add a receiver but also zach wilson you know will he improve in or you know just what will their next step be if he doesn't you have dj moore with the panthers still looking for a qb you have dk metcalf with the seahawks where looking for a qb and or may get traded brandon Ayuk. He's someone we love. I think he's going to be a very, very good NFL player. Again, 2022 is tricky, right? Because you're behind both Samuel and George Kittle. And again, now we have this concern about the QB. If you were looking at him last year, you're thinking, okay, well, by 2022, at least Trey Lance will have gotten the experience in the second half of 2021. He'll have made that progress. He'll have a great offseason. He'll come back in 2022 and be ready we're actually very much delayed in terms of that timeline. And it just, it may never transpire. I mean, the 49ers are an organization that is strong enough overall that they could potentially get through what would be a massive mistake with everything that they traded in order to get him. You look at someone like Arashad Bateman and you probably would like to see him emerge before you pull the trigger and redraft. Now that's not usually the way we look at it, but when you have this specter of, an offense becoming run heavy again while you still have a couple of guys in Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews ahead of him there. There are concerns. Devontae Smith, maybe the best small receiver already in the entire NFL, and yet the Eagles are saying, you know what, our, our quarterback can't get it done. We're going to run the ball again. You know, that makes his ceiling outcome a little bit more limited. And then you've got guys in Chris Godwin and Jamison Williams where – drafters look to be a little bit optimistic in terms of when they'll be able to contribute in the 2022 season from redraft and dynasty absolutely love both of those guys and want to get as much as humanly possible and so this tier this big area of wide receivers you can sprinkle a lot of those guys in in dynasty and i think you're going to get a mild discount on some of them because there are a decent number of teams who will approach it from a win-now perspective. So while that is a, a tricky approach in redraft, I still think that what we want to do in Dynasty stays pretty much the same. And so we have a little bit of a contrast there between the two formats and how we want to build our rosters. Again, I mean, this should be something that's really fun in 2022 because you'll be able to approach your drafts and your formats in some different ways. Yeah, I think it's going to be very, very interesting. I mentioned at the start of today's show with the ADP and the underdog graphs that I do think there's going to be that little bit of chaos. And you mentioned players going undervalued. I think there'll be some players going overvalued. There'll be a lot of players also going undervalued, which I think is making drafts very interesting in this early part of the offseason so far. We are currently drafting. You did the underdog draft. I am drafting. I drafted this past week with Zachary Kruger. We had it up on the youtube live stream um, so if anyone hasn't checked that one out it's still available up there it's on the road of his youtube channel if you haven't subscribed yet we have passed 500 subscribers we're going to march now towards 1000 head on over there we would really appreciate 
that subscribe and we obviously love that you're listening to it on the podcast form as well um, but when we are looking through some of those drafts i won't spoil the picks there's some crossover in the picks and maybe albert o did sneak into uh, that and and maybe tj hawkinson also snuck into that roster but that is tight end premium over there at the ffpc I did mention it last week. We're going to kick off the listener leagues again, and there seems to be an appetite there for those leagues. Last year, we had a lot of fun doing those drafts against the listeners. The listeners definitely got the better of us in those drafts, but we are looking to fill up some of those. We're going to start them really early. I had five or six people straight away on Saturday emailing over to say they were interested. If you are interested in drafting against myself and Sean in some upcoming leagues that could be the ffpc that could be underdog we'll be setting all those up and running them over the coming months get in early and uh, we'll have some fun drafting against each other the other thing to mention sean is that the ffpc dynasty startups are open as well so anyone interested can get in uh, curtis patrick's doing some brilliant work up on the website too talking about some dynasty trades that he's doing and um, you know some talk around a recent orphan team that he took over so uh, definitely head on over and check those out up at the ffpc but that draft that myself and, and Zach did was in the Never Too Early tournament. So we have one team. I've drafted two teams in it this year. I have one with Zach. I have one with Zach and Sean. And myself and Sean, hopefully, will get another one or two in over the, the coming weeks as we look to chase that $25,000 top prize. And Sean, that is going to take us towards the end of today's show. I did tease at the start. We are going to have Mike Leone on thursday's podcast so make sure you tune in and hear that one as soon as it comes out you should hopefully you should be already subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast feed hopefully you've been i know we have some people listening for all 400 episodes as we approach that landmark thank you to all that but make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a, a little refresh if you've already dropped a written interview you can click the refresh button on apple podcasts and uh, put in maybe just put a full stop at the end of the comment for example that'll refresh it that'll hit the algorithm as well and help push us up those podcast charts as we continue to grow the road of his overtime and the road of his radio podcasts as we move through 2022 here my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and of course sean siegel's work you can find all that up at rotoviz.com who knows maybe before the end of 2022 we will get that elusive tweet from at ff underscore contrarian but uh we will leave it there we'll be back on thursday with mike leone and until then have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotoviz radio please rate and review the rotoviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotoviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotoviz with a discount through the rotoviz radio homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast